The weather is finally getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year, like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost like the middleman that passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. I am so excited. I have two gorgeous, lightweight cashmere sweaters coming my way. One camel, one heather gray. I cannot wait to wear them in the warmer months when it's chilly in LA. Throwing them over my shoulders. Going to look so cute. Can't wait. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash judging Megan for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash judging Megan to get free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash judging Megan and now back to the podcast it makes me sad to know that like your young self grew up in this house of your parents own trauma and that generation just didn't know how to talk about it my mom didn't know how to talk about trauma my mom was attacked as a little girl. Somebody tried to strangle her in second grade. She never mm-hmm. went to a therapist. She never talked about it. Same kind of thing. So I just had to tell you that because I have a big, giant, loud mouth. But proceed. <laughs> no, ditto, 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 and ditto. And that's why I share so much in the book. Mm-hmm. And it's because when we share loudly, Mm-hmm. Others don't have to suffer silently. We've heard that quote, but who the hell is sharing loudly? You are. It's starting. And at that time, I did not know. I did not know where to find calm and safety, a place where there wasn't any fear and judgment. And that was what, that is what I call a home within. We've all been put here for a reason and we all deserve acceptance. Judging Megan with Megan Judge. I'm a trauma survivor from a really young age and I have been diagnosed with complex PTSD in the past few years. I've been surrounded by death and abuse much of my life. I've been dragged through the mud and have been to the point of not wanting to go on anymore. Through my interviews with other survivors, I've learned that there is a way out. From recovering to surviving and thriving, we all have the strength to come out the other side. You are listening to Judging Megan. Hi, everybody. You are listening to Judging Megan with your host, Megan Judge. Uh, Before I introduce my guest, let me see. I try to tell a story in the beginning of every podcast, and honestly, I don't really have that many interesting things going on. It's summer. Um, My kids are home. I've kind of talked about that like the last couple episodes, so that's hard. Lots of complaining from my 13-year-old 
Um, she wants to shop. She's bored 24 hours a day. It doesn't matter what I do for her. Always mad at me. That's fun. Um, but yesterday was Father's Day and my listeners know that I lost my dad when I was 13. So I, for the rest of my life, will always do these posts about my dad. And I was kind of going through pictures yesterday and I was thinking like, it's weird to look at pictures of him because I forget so much about him. But then I think like, what would he be like now? I mean, he died when he was 46, which is way too young. And I just wonder, I always say they're in the next room. I really believe that. But I just wonder, like, would he be proud of me? Like, would he, what, what would he think of like my life and how I kind of like pivoted and how different my life is from a few years ago? I'm not perfect. I think I'm perfectly imperfect, which I love about each myself. And I'm owning the fact that I can be mean, I can be catty, but I also am perfectly imperfect because I try my very best on this planet to leave a mark and know that when I'm done and I put my head on the pillow every night that I'm kind of like proud of myself because I really know that I try really hard to be a good person, not perfect, so perfectly imperfect. I am going to introduce my guest right now. She's not impressive at all. So I'm going to warn you with that little, little, little sentence. Nadia Davis is a mom of three boys. She's an author, an attorney, and a Kundalini yoga teacher. Nadia Davis. Oh, also her book came out in April. It's called Home is Within You. It's a memoir of recovery and redemption. Sorry for that long-winded intro, and it was not perfect. Nadia, welcome to the podcast. So nice to meet you. It is so awesome to be here. It is so awesome to be here, and I totally resonated with what you shared about Father's Day. And um, I was lucky enough to have my dad for another decade. He passed abruptly of a heart attack when I was 23, and I get it. It's like I went to the card section and was picking out a card for my kids to give their mm -hmm. dad. And when I saw the ones that were titled, you know, from daughter, they had the little tab, you know, labeling that section of cards. It never like occurs to me when you were saying like, you don't think about it. Like I, I totally get it. I don't know what it's like to have a father as an adult woman. 23 is still a baby. My sister was my sister seven years older than me. So she was around the same age as you. And that's still like gone too soon. Not fair. All the things that we carry with it. You're still a kid at 23. Um, your brain is not fully formed. Um, so the trauma is there. The the But it's a weird thing. Don't you think like knowing it's like you won't think I won't think about my dad for weeks at a time, sometimes even like a month. And then something will happen and I'll be like, that reminds me of my dad mm -hmm. or my my old therapist, who's like my friend now, uh, Dr. Nay. She wrote yesterday on my post. She wrote, you're such a combination of your parents. And I was like, I know I am. And I love that because I look just like I'm half my mom, half my dad. I look a lot like my dad. And it's just a special thing, but it is hard. It will forever be hard to, to celebrate Father's Day, right? Knowing that they're just, 
they're still with us, even though we can't see them. But it's just a hard thing. I don't care how old you are, right? Yeah. One of the things that I learned is that when that comes up, it's like an opportunity to lift another bond that my mind has created from the only truth that matters, which is the message of the book, is that Mm -hmm. we're all infinite spirits, whole, divine, and complete. And that sounds all like la-la and she-she, but I know that when my mind is in like this fear and judgment and and I'm like, you're fatherless, you know, you made all these big decisions in life and they weren't healthy. And, you know, when it gets into all of that, it's like, I know it's separating me from his spirit and from my truth. And when it comes up, it's like, I know he represented symbolically like home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He represented that. And I was already, you know, screwed up and didn't know how to navigate emotional, mental and psychological stuff that had happened before his death. And so it was like there was the physical symbol of the good and the warmth and the light in the world and him and focusing on everything outside me. And when he died, it was like it was, you know, very difficult and took a couple decades to get back to believing in that within myself. Yeah. It's crushing for a little, like we're always these little girls, you know, I mean, my daughter's 13. So I lost him at 13. Sometimes I just say to her, I was, I go, you're so lucky. Like you have, she really does have the best dad. My husband's great. And he's a great dad. And I'm like, you're just so lucky. Like, don't complain. Cause you still have your dad. You didn't have to watch your dad get sick and take nine months of chemotherapy and all that stuff before he passed away. So sound to be experiencing that as a mother with the same daughter. It's a very weird thing. It's kind of like, um, and we're going to get into your story. So sorry for the, like, but whatever. Um, I, it's a weird thing. It's like when I, I, and I know you lost your dad at 23, but when I, I lost my dad, he was 46. So when I was turned 46, I had a really hard time with 46 because I knew in a weird way, I was like, is something going to happen to me? Am I going to outlive my dad? And it's a weird feeling knowing that my daughter is that identical age. There's a part of me that like, Anytime she does something or complains about like how awful life is, I, I literally give it to her because I'm like, you have the best life. Yeah. You're 13. You're going through the hormones. Everything's hard. But like, you know, my dad was gone by the time I was your age. So appreciate what you have. You know, it's a weird feeling knowing that. Good question. You know, use this time for sure to write. Because I do. When I was writing, that's what evolved into the son, the dear son letters, mm-hmm. and and like tap into that past, present, future part. That's that, such that a good point. Oh, it, you will have so many beautiful, intuitive guidance along along your journey. I mean, really, really, really dive in and connect to his spirit. Well, I'll tell you this, I'm writing my book and I was supposed to be done by the end of 2023. There's no way in hell that that's happening because I can't sit down. I've talked about this on the podcast before and focus and know 
that I'm not going to get emotional. Sometimes I just don't want to get upset some days. So it's going to take me a long time. So I love that you just brought that up. Oh, honey. Um, I know you went through this. Italics. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the first, the version out in the Barnes and Noble and in Bel Canto books, the local indie stores is, Mm -hmm. is not the first version, honey. (laughs) Wow. Okay. So let's get, I know this was a long, long winded kind of like intro, but it's when I meet people sometimes on this podcast, I know, and I say this a lot, my audience is probably like, shut up, Megan, but I can immediately tell, like, there's a reason I interview everybody out of the 128, I think I'm on podcasts I've done. I've probably done maybe just like two or three where I'm like, I don't really connect with the, like the guest. Mm -hmm. Everything happens for a reason. I already know that I love you. So, um, Let's kind of get into your story because I think it's just such an interesting, your background's so interesting. So let's get into it. Tell me where you're from. You're, we're both South Bay moms. So South Bay for my audience is outside of LA. So you're in Long Beach. I'm in like Redondo, Hermosa, Manhattan Beach area. Um, so yes, tell me there. about your background and where you're from. Okay. I am the youngest of seven seven kids in a nine-year span, and my father has an amazing story. It's the entire first chapter of the book, and he was an orphan field worker who overcame multiple challenges. I'll get into his story a little more. My mom is still a citizen of Germany. She's a resident here. She was born and raised during the war, 5'2", blonde hair, blue eyes. My dad, very tall and dark, and both of them are beautiful people, and Um, yeah, they met when my sister was marrying, was, um, my mom was visiting her sister who was marrying a GI and she just was getting away from an abusive relationship and met my dad after he played one of his jazz gigs and the rest is history. So seven kids in nine years was an extremely interesting way to grow up Mm -hmm. and also a culturally diverse household. Um, to drastically different cultures. They also sponsored Vietnamese refugees. So holidays were tamales, apple strudel, and egg rolls. And I didn't really think anything of it. Um, There was always a lot going on. When I, you know, was five or six, my older siblings were entering their teenage years. And there was some things going on in the house that began to create this habit of going and hiding in the closet and this whole like perception of the world and how we relate, how we handle feelings. It's not like a literal thought. It just is. And when bad things started to happen, bad things, meaning a doctor's molestation, um, I, had throughout my life flashbacks to that same room where I was lying, me here in this spot, and then everything outside me. And that was kind of the the base from which every other trauma that happened after that, that I survived through. And it was everything outside me. And so I had some racial bullying 
Um, I have a birthmark right here and get very, very dark, this light. But when I was little, I was the brown, brown kid. Mm -hmm. And so when I didn't wear my brownie uniform, it was, you don't need a uniform. You're already a brownie, which is, it made me strong. It made me get up and I'm going to show them and get my brownie badge and you don't have one. And it was this little survival mode. I'm going to save the world. I'm going to help people. And watch me now. Mm -hmm. And that became a cr much crueler type of bullying where they put a sticker on a note and it was Baba Black Sheep. We don't want you hanging around us anymore. And everyone in the class signed it. And the way that my mind interpreted it, not knowing or having any skill to connect with this like core innocence and truth and to know I'm not a body nor the thoughts my mind makes. No inkling whatsoever. Like we all do, it was this grin and bear it mode. It was this survivalist mind and me versus the outside world. And, and so I set out to save the world. All of my worth from a very early age on was from what I saw is justice and good in the world. What I saw is warmth and light and love. And I got that mainly from my father. Now, he was an alcoholic, but I never saw any negative effect of it. My older siblings did, and I, I don't doubt them. But my father symbolized, again, his story as an orphan field worker who overcame, you know, being a child field laborer, was a janitor, and grew up in discrimination in Santa Ana and went to segregated schools. And he became one of the first Spanish-speaking attorneys in the whole Southwest and used the law to do good, to stand up for people's rights and justice. And he, I replicated him. He was so, a workaholic. So he inspired you. Yeah. Yeah. He was a workaholic, um, saving the world. And that's exactly what I did. Um, when there started to be what I perceived as like religious wars in the house and my two older sisters left, um, and there's no talk, there's no sitting down and going like, what's really going on at any age? My parents mm -hmm. were just not capable of doing that for themselves, let alone their kids. And so it just became this fight to, to free the world. It, Amnesty International, homecoming queen, um, student government, um, controlled eating was part of my story. So back you then. were, you were a perfectionist, right? You covered your trauma of the of being molested and the the bullying because that's what it is. I mean, ki kids can be so mean and the racism. I mean, let's be frank, that's what it, it was. was. Um, with with having to wanting to be and having to be perfect, which is so so common, so common. I mean, I went through the same thing, you know. Yeah. So so it. So like looking back on your younger self, I had a guest that was on pretty recently um, and she's this ama amazing lady. She's a healer and she gave me this tip 
it's um, Jana Wilson. So I did this episode of couple of weeks ago. I loved it. Oh, you did. Oh, I loved her. And I'm, I'm not trying to interrupt you, but she gave me this, this tip, which I think you need to use too, if you don't already of taking a picture of yourself from when you were younger and the trauma that you went through and just saying, I love you. I love you. Like you're wonderful. You're this, you're that. And saying something kind to yourself. When she taught me that I've started doing it while I'm brushing my teeth uh-huh. in the morning. And I, you know, I'm still a work in progress. Like I talked about in the beginning. And so are you, we all are. That's why we're mm-hmm. here. We're human. Um, but, but the hiding in the closet, I think you mentioned, I used uh-huh. to do the same thing. I hi- I used to hide right. in my closet. Um, and, and hold my legs like, right. like in a ball. And I would, right. and I would go back and forth and, you know, I can relate to that, what you've said so far with that, but it makes me sad to know that like your young self grew up in this house of your parents' own trauma. And that generation just didn't know how to talk about it. My mom didn't know how to talk about trauma. My mom was attacked as a little girl. Somebody tried to strangle her in second grade. She never mm-hmm. went to a therapist. She never talked about it. Same kind of thing. So I just had to tell you that because I have a big, giant, loud mouth. But proceed. <laughs> no, ditto, 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 and ditto. And that's why I share so much in the book. Mm-hmm. And it's because when we share loudly, Mm-hmm. Others don't have to suffer silently. We've heard that quote, but who the hell is sharing loudly? You are. It's starting. And at that time, I did not know. I did not know where to find calm and safety, a place where there wasn't any fear and judgment. And that was what that is what I call a home within. Mm-hmm. What should a home be? The word evokes many different things in people from childhood. Those memories like we just shared come up, you know, as we become adults and as the, I grew older and older, it was these roles, these identities, these ways that the mind had just in the survival mode, all of our minds are survivalist in nature. We hear the, we are souls in a finite body and just on this journey for now, but nowhere Do we hear you are not a body, nor the thoughts your mind makes? Just remember that, Mm -hmm. son or daughter, you are not a body, nor the thoughts your mind makes. From that, all these other learnings can be embraced. And from that, I'm right smack in the middle of the only truth that matters. I am whole, divine, and complete. My own shame reduces. Any outside shaming I'm protected against. And so at that point in my life, I looked for everything outside me. Went to UCLA, um, you know, sociology major, um, juvenile justice was my specialization and a number of internships, a number of just awards and things of that sort. And my father um, very much inspired me. And I I didn't like talk to him a lot. It was just what he symbolized and how my brain interpreted it. And so I replicated him. I did not have a drinking problem. I I did not start 
drinking until the beginning of my second year of law school when he abruptly passed away. Mm. He was the symbol of hope and love and light and died very abruptly of a heart attack at the beginning of my second year of law school. And it was just like, bam. So I had picked myself up from this childhood stuff, focused on the outside, everything. Okay, I'm in my element. I'm doing okay. And then bam, he dies. I pick myself up again, very numb, very disassociated, and was helping my mom and commuting, and I'm going to save the world. I'm going to carry on his legacy. And then, bam, I had a near-death car accident, and I wasn't breathing when I was found. I had 22 broken bones, a punctured lung, my brain bled, and in that space... I was in that only truth that matters. Like, I know it to be true. We're past, present, and future all combine into one. And when you are brought back to life with another's breath and then put on life support and IV to morphine for over a month, it was this tap, tap, tap. You are just a body. You are your thoughts. Not literal, the subtle way our mind works. All these fears and judgments, they're going to forget you, your purpose, prove them you're the same, that your memory isn't being affected, that your processing isn't affected, that your 22 bones, you're not deformed. You know, I literally went back to work in my wheelchair, unable to walk. I was representing a wrongfully convicted kid and finally, I was able to get a large law firm to do his habeas petition and get an investigator and was kind of the ears and eyes in the background. And that fight for justice was really what got me up and, and better. Like, I am grateful. But it was future senator, you know, all these awards and stuff. And, you know, a few years after that, in my suit is when I met my ex-husband. Let me, let me interrupt you for one second. Cause I want to ask you and I can relate to so much. And I think my audience, my listeners can too. If you suffer from, cause you're an ACE, you know, that adverse childhood experiences, just hearing your background and uh, you definitely have that. I'm the youngest. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and so like it's first. like constant, like trauma, uh, picking yourself up the people that go through this kind of trauma, I say it all the time. This is why I'm drawn to survivors like you and my, a lot of my guests is because we are fighters. We right. fought our whole lives and we've run and picked ourselves up. And it's almost like, well, that's something bad happened. Well, I'm used to this. I'm going to, I'm going to pick myself up. I've done this before I can do it again. But at some point it, it catches up with you. So when your, your dad passed away at such a young age, and you I love it. Yeah, I love what you brought up because yeah. your prior guest, um, I saw something that she did where it was, and I just, I know you would totally relate. It was that um, happiness threshold mm -hmm. that it's like the threshold that we're comfortable with. And now in living the work today, it's, I have to really, really, really force myself to feel comfortable in the joy and in all these blessings and mm -hmm to, to feel it. And so 
so at that point in my life, but were are you afraid to accept it? Because I want I wanted to say the the jump bet- between like losing your dad, starting your drinking it, when you were in law school, then you got into the accident. What is the span? Just to really quickly, like how many years in between were all of those events? A lot well, more happened right after that. Um, my father died in November of 1994, and the accident was July of 1999. Okay, so there was a span. I had a violent, yeah, I yeah. was violently raped in college um, in between then, and it it just solidified this very disassociated state. And, and at the same time, so disassociated body, I'm a body and just my thoughts, with all the outside. I'm going to mm-hmm. save the world. I'm going to fight this wrong. And I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, stand up for truth and good and warmth in the world is how I entered law school. And then when he passed, it was, I'm going to continue this legacy and I'm not going to give up. And then the accident where I saw this truth, but then very quickly, very quickly in a deep, deep, deep disassociated mode very deep, went right back into fulfilling all of these roles, What did not have a drinking problem. I had an energy drink problem. And mm. then slowly when I couldn't really manage more and more of the physical pain and the flashbacks, all sorts of different flashbacks, we don't even know where to start at that point. Mm. Um, that was when I met my ex and it was literally mixing vodka with energy drinks and it worked, you know? Mm. And at that point, um, I had had um, no exposure to drugs, and I was introduced to it. I, I stopped blaming in the book anybody and anything. I know and I own the state that I was in at that time. So this was after your accident, after you, like a few years after the accident, you met your ex-husband, you were, you were healed. I don't know the answer to that. No. No. Okay. So physically you were still highly functioning, disassociated alcoholic, but all of the physical, like ailments, like bones, anything like that, you were, you were okay. You were out of the wheelchair. I'm just making sure that I do the timeline correctly on this. Sorry. Well, on the outside, I looked okay. Yeah. But I had a broken hip, a broken pelvic, a full broken clavicle, all these ribs, um, a shoulder blade broken and, and not no meds, not knowing the inner relationship between body and a trigger and a physical trigger with flashbacks and memories and all the fragility. I was literally walking a walking eggshell, but on the outside, I was the up and comer. Mm-hmm. I was the recipient of the national political women's caucus award. And, mm-hmm. and, and that was where I found my refuge. It was, you know, this kid is freed. Um, I got the ball of justice rolling and I believed in the good. And and it was in that state where I was president of the school board and we had a Marine base closure in the district. And I went up like this to Bill Lockyer, who was the state attorney general at the time in his first term. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. and basically said, we need you to defend this legislation, prioritizing education over commercial use. And will you do it? Oh, okay. Yes, you will. And I mean, I was just very point blank and walked away and he tracked me down and it went right over my head initially that he was trying to hit on me and very much so worked through his friend who was a party chairman at the time who knew my dad who he said, oh, no, we've all tried that. Don't don't try her and um, whatever the story is. Um, and, and there was a huge age gap, too, correct? There was an age gap. Uh-huh. Yet at the time, he was in his early 60s. Uh-huh. I was in my early 30s. That tells you what the age gap is. And I thought he was maybe 10, 15 years older. But again, I did not recognize that he was hitting on me until we had dinner, connected over policy and talk. I was bored with other men. With him, I could talk about real things and and debate and stuff. And I never really, I never was attracted. It was this intellectual connection. And he symbolized that home. He symbolized my father mm-hmm. and that safety. I mean, let's face it, you know, And so he invited me um, to a location and a drug was presented and I took it and it destroyed my life. Now, I found out after we were together just twice that I was pregnant and I did not take that drug again until many years later. I initially managed the public life very well in that disassociated state and dove into my son, my oldest son, Diego, who's amazing. He's 19 at Cal Poly studying astrophysics. Oh, wow. The beginning of it all. And, you know, I dove into escaping in him and in the backyard and in all our adventures and had no capacity or ability to connect with others, to really create meaningful friendships. And when he started preschool, I had this longing for work again, and so I started working on some of the Catholic priest molestation cases and could connect with some of the victims, and the the people I was working for didn't know this at the time, but questions that they weren't asking, especially women, like repeated bladder infections and things of that sort. Mm -hmm. Um, So I had this sense of purpose again. I had this sense of good in the world, and that connected me to being the executive director for the Alameda County Family Justice Center that was under the auspices of the district attorney. So I wasn't a prosecutor. I headed up this agency and ironically got to coordinate and fundraise for all the frontliners, including the Oakland Special Victims Unit and the major nonprofit in that whole area. We're on the top floor and just amazing. Oakland, California. Yes. Okay. Okay. Just so my highest crime. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And so the special victims unit, um, amazing, amazing individuals. And I loved that position and somehow ended up, it's all in the book running for County supervisor after the one that was there for over 30 years retired and further catapulted myself into the public eye and during the campaign, I started managing the anxiety 
the flashbacks, the chronic mm. pain, that whole kind of year before with the same thing that I did, you know, prior in when I met my ex. And that was drinking alcoholically with energy drinks. You know, when you're in this state where I, I did not know my mind was survivalist, I did not know that I wasn't a body or, or my thoughts, it's like automatic, it's subtle. And shame is subtle. Shame, you know, and it, it was so subtle. It was fight, fight for your worth. You know, it's all out there. And that was really, truly when my trauma, unaddressed trauma, was ruling me, ruling me. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. This time of year is the worst. I feel like I can't do anything and I can't enjoy my dinner because I can't taste my food and I can't work out because I feel tired and distracted. I can't even feel like I can host this show because my voice sounds like a duck. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D, designed for serious allergy sufferers. Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. I feel like I've been using Claritin D for probably a few months now, and I have really noticed a difference. I can work out. I'm not feeling like my eyes are watering and my nose is all stuffed up. I can speak without feeling like a frog has jumped into my throat. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Can I just say one thing? So, I mean, the amount of trauma that you had been through, I mean, is more than like any human being can possibly carry. Um, so it makes sense that you were like constantly like just trying to put a bandaid on these things. And then get, pull yourself back up, put a bandaid on it, pull yourself back up because it sounds to me like you've always kind of been this like overachiever wanting to like live in like your father and like his shadows and marry somebody like your dad and all these things. But until, and I say this a lot, you really get to the core of why the why, um, you, 
you're never going to be able to heal. And so you were constantly running and trying to put band-aids on things, alcohol or like energy drinks or drugs or whatever it be. That's all very common in people that have gone through things like you've gone through. And it makes sense, you know? And so it makes me sad to know that like, you know, a lot of times from the outside, that's part of why I share my own story so publicly is from the outside, you know, you look at a picture, like you look at your picture, for example, and you're this beautiful woman and you have this great career and, you know, you married a successful man and you had this life from the outside, but on the inside you were crumbling, you know? So I just had to like take a step outside and kind of say that to you, how honest and amazing it is that you're able to like own your truth and, and talk about all of this stuff, you know, cause it's really, it's really hard, but I know that there's people out there that are so appreciative and can relate. What the book is about though, is I despise shaming. Mm-hmm. of our responses to pain. And after all of that, that you referenced and that I shared, I think I my healing and my recovery would have been much different hadn't this certain year happened in my life. And I started reaching out for help and went to Kaiser, and it is there that I met somebody Immediately prior to that, within a year's time span, Arthur Carmona, the kid that was freed, was struck and killed. We lost a child in utero at five months, and my brother attempted to take his life under our roof that I had taken in to my to our care. And I'm I'm the one that found him, and all of the deaths, my dad's dead body, my best friend. Priscilla, who I had cried with, Mm -hmm. died also abruptly in front of me of cancer. I was with her when she took her last breath. And so it was like, bam, 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 bam. The death, the, the, the loss. Bam, 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 bam. And I didn't know where to start. And being in the public eye, managing in the way that I was, Now, with my name everywhere, Mm -hmm. my face on people's doorsteps in the campaign, my how on earth was I going to go in anywhere, having led the victims' rights community and ask for help? When I met the person that is in the book that is smack in the middle, I was a deer with headlights on the road. I was perfect fodder for a sociopath and highly addictive drug. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened. This person, I believed this person. I believe that they were the only peer that ever wanted to know my pain, that ever cared about it and began to care for this person in a short period of time, began to feel safe. And all of it all along was a complete fraud with an intention to take personal photos of me without my knowledge, to sell them online, give them to a reporter, 
and exploit me and blackmail the family. Can I ask you, was this a man? Because I don't know this piece and my listeners don't either. So this was a like a physical, intimate relationship and he took photos. Now, in the beginning, when this person was wanting more, the initial reaction was, no, I am married. I have a son. I can't mm-hmm. do this. And it became, I, I can't bear this anymore. It became suicidality. You're rejecting me. Look, you're the cause of your brother's attempt. Now you're doing it to me. Um, TikTok, TikTok, you're going to go viral. Where it got me in this point in my head with my mind unchecked. Like I own how I re-victimized myself mm-hmm. from this place in my mind. And in that space, I believed this person to be the only way that I could stop. What I understood is somebody else was doing this to me. And when I believed that and had had no contact, that person ended up assaulting and strangling and bashing my head against the floor when I saw a moment of truth in his eyes. And after that, the press covered it as a sex and drug scandal. How long ago was this? 2012. Okay. And that is what took a very long time to recover from. Yeah. All the childhood stuff, all of that, and the drinking to manage, I do believe that the road, and there's no reason to look back. I know that the story serves a purpose now. I know that the purpose is that we can prevent Mm re-traumatization. We can, when we have that home within us, where we are aware of fears and judgments, we don't have to shut them off completely. We don't. We create a relationship with it and we know, okay, my mind's separating me from my truth. Mm-hmm. And we can choose love and our soul and our truth in any moment over fear and judgment. That is the home within. That is the home base through which eventually I was able to protect my psyche from the articles and from this complete ignorance of the truth and what what really happened behind the scenes and from this shaming then i was able to address my own shame within about the trauma so it was this extra layer and that is why i am so passionate about accurate coverage mm-hmm. compassionate coverage of people's mental health and addiction struggles because most of it is responses to pain and is not knowing that our mind is the survivalist nature and not having that separation from it. After beginning the road of recovery, you know, there's 12 steps, there's trauma therapy, there's kundalini yoga. But again, I, all of them got me more and more and more layers lifted away from this, these bonds that my mind had on me. And it more and more and more, the more I started doing that, and then as I was writing, it really became this message of home, finding safety and calm within myself, within ourselves, in our body, and with our thoughts had to be my base point to really, truly embrace all the other learnings, 
all the other affirmations, breath work, trauma therapy, all of it, it had to be, I am not a body nor the thoughts my mind makes. How did you, so just for my listeners and myself, how, how were you able to like kind of pick yourself up from that? I mean, that's more trauma. I don't, I mean, I don't even know what to say because it's so much like in one lifetime, you have enough trauma for like 10 people to go through. So like when we, in the very beginning, we're talking about running or hiding in a closet or whatever. And then it just, the layers just added and added and added on top of it. How were you able to like get to the point after being publicly humiliated like that? It's almost like you went back to that little girl in some ways of being teased, you know? Absolutely, honey. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I got from it. What I had fought for, what I had gave given speeches for to you, mm-hmm. believe in justice, believe in the system. When the outside turned against me and there was such vehement evil where a local reporter actually posted a photo with my breast, you know, numbed out, making it this drug and sex scandal. And it was devastating. But But let me tell you. It brought me to suicidality. Mm -hmm. And there was another phase where I was recreating my life, trying my best, banging my head against the wall, all my to-do lists, cleaning up wreckage, all this stuff. And on my knees at Linwood Women's Facility, where I was at a week, having no understanding of after long sobriety, how I had taken a drink. And then went and ran to my sponsor and admitted it. I still had to turn myself in. And as I'm there for this week, it was, what am I doing wrong? I've tried so hard. I've tried so long. And it was there where I call it it came. And Arthur's spirit came. And my father's spirit came to me. And they they were, this is not who you are. None of that is. You know your truth. You know it. That was when illusions started erasing. Mm-hmm. That was when I wasn't trying to do it on my self-will and alone. It was, I've been doing it all the wrong way. Connect to this truth. That is the home within. That is all I need to do. And so on a constant basis, it was watching the fears and judgments. I can do that. And I can ensure that that does not, and all of us can, that it does not turn into shame Mm -hmm. because shame and shaming are what disconnect us from our truth and our true selves and from each other. And so it really became through Kundalini Yoga, literally the first time I sat, I was in treatment when I was introduced to Kundalini Yoga and Seventh Chakra Yoga. And... I couldn't sit the physical pain alone, but it was like my mind was just constant, constant. And it was slowly but surely, slowly but surely, the use of mantra to replace my thoughts of sound to have something else to focus on. Slowly, slowly but surely, I was then able to see the shaming thoughts all the shame, how I put my worth out there. That was one level. 
the more the years passed and the more um, trainings that I did, the more I connected back through meditation to the space, even just a little bit that I entered when I died, that only truth that I saw. And this was when you like were after the accident. Yes. Correct. Okay. So in intense breath work and meditation, I mean, through the, that's why I know everything happened for a reason. Yeah. Because this is really, this is really a road. This is a road out of the bondage of our mind where, where we can recover and we can embrace all these things that come our way with just this basic understanding of safety and calm within ourselves and saying, I am not a body nor the thoughts my mind makes. So I can strengthen the spiritual connection, but more importantly, I can watch my mind and not let it separate me from the truth. The only truth that matters. I need to, I say this a lot, but I need to do yoga. (laughs) I'm not trying to make a joke out of this, but I like literally am like, when you said you couldn't sit, sit still, you couldn't like get away from your thoughts. I didn't, I, I know that this is something that a lot of people can relate to that are maybe recovering from tra- some sort of trauma is the thought of yoga being like their biggest enemy and something they're terrified of. And I'm one of those people. So that's the mind. That's, that's your mind. The mind yeah. That's the shame. It's like, you can't do this right. And, yeah. And it makes those fears, but like sit and breathe deeply. I just did a workshop for a woman for sobriety. And that's the point. It's like, have conversations with those fears. Mm-hmm. Say, I, I am terrified of doing meditation. Like co- have conversations. We can recognize the fears and the judgments in our own head, but you're not in it that song by you two running to stand still mm-hmm. i love because it's mm-hmm. like when we're not in it in it and we're like okay i am in fear and i'm totally judging myself i'm feeling it right now right in this moment at least recognizing those fears and judgments and saying okay i am in this grin and bear survival mode i've been lived this way my whole life i'm not going to beat myself up but I know I am not these thoughts. Just saying it, you start to believe it. It's kind and of my- like taking the picture like we talked about and talking to your, the, the, your young self. Completely. A home yeah. within you is yeah. that space where we hold her, mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. Where we say, I see you. I acknowledge you. I'm going to breathe right here and right there. And at least I'm going to listen. And, and that's really where those core wounds are get triggered, those core things. And so have the conversation with our little girl and little boy, you know, and slowly and slowly and slowly, it's like that fear, it will subside. It will. And we'll feel safe and more calm in our body. I where, 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 sorry to interrupt. Where are you today? Like, how are you? Cause that was years ago. You're still practicing law. You're doing the yoga, you're teaching You're a mom. Tell me like, how <laughs> are you doing today? I, so, I know that listeners love to hear kind of yes. that kind of stuff. Cause I think it's important. 
So I am living the work, and that is what I share in my Instagram at Nadia Maria Davis and, and what I'm doing in, in workshops is in living the work where the book ends is how I observe when my children are in this mode as I am observing when my little girl is in that mode. And it is beautiful. Honey, I, I you were sharing how you're doing that. And writing when those moments come up, the universe is putting that past, present, future that I was in, in that near death, right there in that moment. And if I'm just kind of like walking myself through, okay, he said, you know, a couple months ago, one of my sons said, well, at least I didn't drink and get arrested, you know, and I used to in the past get in that shame and be like, oh my God, what did I do to them? Because I had to be taken away and, they, and there was separation. And it's mm -hmm. like, no, you know what, son, you're right. And I know how to respond to pain differently now. And that's what I'm trying to teach you. That's why we're not going to say bad words because he was doing that. That was mm -hmm. never a bad habit of mine, but I'm trying mm -hmm. to teach them in their What's, What little... are the ages of your kids again? Seven, so a 19 year old and oh my, I had seven year old, I have seven year old twins at 52. I had them when I was 44. Good for you. I love that. So I have a Diego Harrison and Elijah and they are really where I saw glimpses of that home within. Yeah. It is my son's and every chapter of the book starts with dear son and then a title and throughout the book. There's inklings and kind of a roadmap for the content that follows with these letters to my sons. Do you think throughout. that the goal of your book is what is the goal? Like what, why did you put it out there? Cause it's a lot, it's a lot for a reader. It's a lot for you to be brave enough to put that whole story out there. You were married to a public figure. Like, are you still married by the way? I forgot to ask that. No, we separated okay. like six years ago and the the divorce is final now. So, okay. So you're co-parenting together. Yes. And w when you sat down, like, cause I'm asking for selfish reasons too, cause I can't, I'm such a professional procrastinator. I cannot sit down and make myself right. I'll do it in like little increments. That's why it's going to take me a hundred years to finish. But when I say, what is my goal to myself? Like, what am I trying to put out there? What do I want people to know? How am I going to help somebody with my own story? What, what would you say to that for yourself? When you're in those moments, write, write it out. Literally write the question out. What is my, and that will be a connection to the thought that is, it's separating you from your truth, which is you don't want people to hurt. Mm -hmm. You don't want people to hurt like, like you hurt. Mm -hmm. that, that's what I did with my kids is I, when I was separating myself from what was happening right in front of me, it was that spiritual connection. It was, I didn't want them to hurt like I did. And it'll come out, honey. And you'll, I'm sorry. I keep saying, honey, I hope that's oh, I love it. But, but it will come out and you'll connect with it and you'll realize like your mind is beating you up mm -hmm. for getting stuck and then it's sticking you for getting stuck. And what is your mind doing 
to you right then in that moment. It is separating you from your truth and from others. And and write about that. And people will relate, honey. Do you think that you're do you think that writing your book or all of like sharing your story, do you think like you're in a place now where you have closure on a lot of this stuff and you know, cause you're still practicing law as well. Correct. Very, very minimal. The okay. book, the release. And so I self-published um, a year and a half ago or, or a couple of years ago and it got a couple of awards and then it was picked up by a publisher. So this has been a journey and it's, I love Girl Friday books and it's, it has been such an amazing experience because of the distribution now mm-hmm. and how many people that it's touching. And yes, yeah, so I have my license to practice law. I teach Kundalini yoga once a week. I wish I could do more. And I am raising the seven-year-old twins half the time. So, and that time is, is dramatically increasing. And so with all the book to do's that you will experience, um, and writing, I'm writing a number of articles out there and then doing workshops, the space that I am in today, I couldn't have asked for. It is authentically living and sharing how I'm living the work, using it as a mother, as a more conscious mom and mothering the little girl within me and then sharing with others how to get to this place of safety and calm within themselves so that they can embrace all the other things that, that come our way on the I journey. Think, I think just from somebody that just met you an hour ago, I think that one of the most amazing things that we're given uh, in life is out of the pain, out of pain comes purpose, right? And so you've done all these really in, impressive things in your life and led this 10 lives, like more than more trauma than anyone else. Most people could ever bear not spent periods of your life, not wanting to go on. But what I, what I love about your story is that you just kept going. So I say it all the time to my listeners. I say it on my Instagram, pretty much every post I do, I say, keep going your story matters. You matter. And it's so true. And I think that you, the way that you tell the story that you feel the same way and you know that by sharing your story, if you touch two people a day or just telling this, it's so important with our suicide rates. Like, you know, that's my passion in life is helping people because I don't, I want this to stop. I want people to be able to talk about their mental health and addiction and all the things that you talk about too. So I just want you to know how very honored I am to have met you. I know that we were kind of playing like tag to be able to do this episode. Um, But I think you're just an amazing shining light. I really think that about you and I'm so appreciative of meeting you. And also I'm going to now hopefully meet you in person and do yoga. (laughs) <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, Sunday. How Sunday how can my family. how can my my um my people? Why am I saying my people? How can my listeners and audience get their hands on your book? www.nadia-davis.com. It is available wherever books are sold. Amazon, indiebound.org, 
Um, and at Nadia Maria Davis on Instagram, all the links are there through Linktree. Okay, perfect. Um, it was so lovely to meet you. Keep going. You're the best. Um, and in closing, everyone, be happy by making other people happy. Thank you, Nadia. Judging Megan with Megan Judge. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.